will websites still be relevant in the near future? What happens when all of the data out there in the digital landscape dries up and disappears? What strategies can we use still as a business to drive traffic and convert? We talk about that today. Join us. Welcome back to the Get Over It Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Christopher Fasano. Before we begin today's episode, I just want to remind everybody the best way to receive new episodes on the Get Over It Podcast is to subscribe on your favorite pod player, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, um, you know, uh, Spotify. If you prefer to watch the podcast on a visual medium, you can subscribe right there on YouTube. Uh, tell your friends about the show. If you're really enjoying it, please leave us a, a review, a five-star review right there on Apple Podcasts. That'll really help the, uh, the show to continue to grow. And so now let's get on to our episode today. Our guest today is Joe Hall. Uh, Joe is the SEO consultant and principal analyst at Hall Analysis, a company that he founded. Um, Joe, obviously, is an SEO. We call them SEO in the biz. Uh, he's a web developer, a writer, a marketer, and worked on uh, you know both the national and local levels around a, a variety of topics. We'll talk a little bit about his journey today. Uh, most of his work, though, is focused on developing tools needed for small businesses and nonprofits to become you know empowered on the internet, be found on the internet. So we're going to talk to Joe today. Joe, welcome to the Get Over Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so uh, excited to be here. So Joe came very highly recommended, I was telling him before, from uh, a colleague that we work with here at Over It, Lisa Barone. Um, Lisa said to me, you have to have Joe on the show. Um, and so I'm thankful for Lisa for, for setting this up for us, Joe. So uh, let's start with, like I always start the show with our guests. Um, tell the audience about yourself, what it is that you do currently, and then we'll go back and you know talk about your journey to how you got there. Yeah, so I am a uh, SEO um, and uh, SEO consultant and uh, web developer. Um, I guess because of that, I the type of SEO I do is mostly technical uh, focused SEO uh, and web development, and that's basically it. Like I do, I I was thinking about this the other day. I do a lot of different things, you know, in, in relation to both those two things. Um, but that's the best way to sum it up, I think. So you for know. someone out there that has no idea what an SEO is, uh, tell us a little bit about what an SEO is. Because it's funny because yes. like when I, people, SEO is not a per, like a person, uh, but people that do SEO are referred to an, as, as an a, SEO. SEO. <laughs> yeah. So, so SEO, um, actually, I never even thought of that before. Right? It's interesting. I've been doing SEO for like uh, 13 years. Now. That, that thought actually never crossed my mind. Um, but so... Uh, SEO stands for search engine optimization, um, and actually the term itself is is stupid because we're not actually optimizing search engines. Uh, we're optimizing websites uh, for better performance uh, within search engines, and it's it's not the same as uh, buying advertising. You know, you can buy ads in search engines as well uh, to get placement and and uh, visibility as well in search engines. Um, but this is not that. This is uh, actually showing up in the results of the search. Um, and so it's a lot of, uh, I tell my clients, it's a lot of technical work. It's a lot of content and marketing work and a lot of um, link building or public relations kind of work. Uh, so it's a, it's a hodgepodge of different disciplines that kind of come together to help a website perform better 
uh, within the search engine results. And my main kind of focus is that technical aspect of it. So Google has, uh, Google and other search engines, they have like these massive uh, volumes of depth documentation for how they want uh, the technical specifications of a website to essentially operate and work uh, for it to perform well uh, within uh, search results. And my job is to come in and make sure that a website's technical kind of infrastructure it, it adheres to those standards, basically. Um, and then I pass it off to, usually I pass off the work to great agencies like Over It, for example, that does phenomenal marketing, um, and, you know, in, 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 with content and brand uh, strategies and stuff like that that can kind of take it to the next level after they've got the best practices. Kind of squared away. So, you know. so, so, what we're talking about is what we, what I call like on-page SEO, which is a lot of content and technical is really in the in the in the web um, in that sort of back component there, um, and they all matter um, and they all come together like you like you said to 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 really drive. What I love about what I love about search, you know, and finding sites is that. For me, from like a neuroscientific perspective, like when you have to really think about how someone is going to find your site, right? So like there's a, like, you know, yes, there's like it's got to load fast, which is a lot of things you probably deal with, right? The content's got to load and the images, all these things matter. And what also really matters is if I'm going to go look for the latest coffee flavor or brand, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to type things in. And what I type in is going to be directly related to what's going to show up on the search search results. So on the website content, and then the web has, the website has to be, has to anticipate all of that so that they can greater capture that traffic. So it's very strategic and more strategic than I think people actually think. Yeah, definitely. And like what you're, what you're discussing is, um, I mean, you're kind of talking about the nexus between what I call user experience, user journey, and uh, query intent. And so, the you know, the user experience for SEO begins at the search box. You know, a lot of people that think about user experience uh, for SEO, they oftentimes think about, like, you know, just the general ease of, of the website. But really, it starts off at, at the actual beginning of, of the search when the user puts in the query. Um, and, and so, you know, when you talk about being strategic uh, with that, the whole experience of the website or the content usage needs to be kind of built around that user that typed in uh, whatever term they're searching for. Um, and, and that comes into play with not only what we would normally think about as user experience, like you know, page load speeds and, and layout and design and stuff like that. But also it comes into like content strategy and developing the right types of content that the user is actually looking for. And so a real, uh, very uh, detailed and advanced understanding of your target audience is, is required in order to get that type of SEO done correctly. And so, you know, SEO is, it, because of all that, SEO is good SEO requires a, a, a team of really dedicated professionals that really understand uh, the target audience that they're trying to uh, attract. Um, they need to be strategic with content um, and, and 
have everything else in place uh, to work correctly. You know, like you said. Mm -hmm. you, yeah. you know, it's fascinating is that every conversation I have in areas of marketing and or sales, I feel like it always comes back to content in some regard. So, you know, like, you know, if people are going to find your website, yes, they have to use certain keywords and those have to be there and they have to, be, but it's in, in order to make continued gains and rank and to continue to be relevant, whether you're doing, whether it's automation strategies or you're trying to get more people to find you on search, you have to have strong content. Um, I mean, right. I'm, I, I feel like all the roads always point back to it in some way. You can't do it without content. Yeah, definitely. So there's like, yeah, you're right. Like all, all roads go back to Rome and, and um, with content, it's definitely true because there, there are, you know, you mentioned the difference between off page and on page SEO. Um, off page SEO usually refers to uh, links that, that point to the website and other kind of like authoritative signals that point uh, to the website from other websites. Those types of things do not happen naturally or organically if you have bad content. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's just one aspect of how content ha can have a, a massive impact on, on uh, SEO is, is if you have the right content that attracts um, good high quality links from other websites, it's going to help out with your SEO. But also, like, the content has to speak to the user. It has to speak to uh, your target audience. And it has to drive um, a, a business objective, right? So it can't just be, like, content and traffic for the sake of content and traffic, right? I mean, it all goes back to uh, the bottom line. Um, and so the content has to not only attract uh, good off-page, you know, external links and whatnot, it also has to convert the user once they, you know, land on the page. Um, and it has to kind of communicate uh, effectively as well. So I think that content really is the crux of it. Um, but I like to tell clients that, like, you know, usually with SEO, you're, you're, it, it's always sort of an odds game, right? And you have a better chance of doing better if all... Of, uh, if everything is taken care of, you know, if, if all things are, are at best practices, uh, then you're going to have more likely to do better, you know. So content is, is an, an integral part of that, but also uh, technical and links as well. Um, but yeah, you really don't, and you don't even know. I mean, honestly, this is what's so complicated about it. You really don't even know how, like, when to stop with either of the, like, with any three of those until you've gotten to the point where, um, until you've focused on all of them, you know, in right. other words. So, yep. so, like, you, like, 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 for example, like, I do a lot of work with, uh, page load, uh, optimization, making the site faster, uh, for the user. And you, really, that's kind of like an, that's like a never-ending story. We can spend years on that, uh, trying to make the site faster every site can be faster but the there is a stopping point you have to decide when are we comfortable with stopping on this um and we don't know like we wouldn't know when to stop if we hadn't done all the other components of seo first because because if if there's not really great content on the site then we might have perfect speed scores but the content's still not ranking. Right, right, right. right. And, and, and then it's like, well, do we need to go, do we need to double down on speed more? 
or do we need to focus on content next? You know, so so really, like everything has to kind of happen uh, before you can make real hard strategic decisions over what's needed. You have to kind of make a best effort with all three areas, you know, uh, so you know like w what the real deficiency is, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's it's interesting, like you said, like, do we need more content once you get the speed right? But then you put more content on. But is that content then optimized for speed? And then is that going to slow it down? And so it's like a, you have this constant, you know, this triangle that or or I triangle saying on page technical and, you know, but but like it's 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 I, I was never really. I never really fully grasped the SEO world until I really got into more and more marketing marketing and realized the complexities of it. Also, I realized that it's a longer game, you know, a lot of uh, SEO, like, you know, you're not going to make some SEO adjustments and then boost your traffic by 50% in one, two weeks in a month. It doesn't yeah. work that way. And it has to be. And I think because of that reason, it could be avoided and or you know, by companies that are having like budgets and they're trying to meet growth dead, growth goals, they might just say, let's just buy the traffic, you know, because it's quicker. I'm going to get more leads that way. But what I always try to tell everybody is you don't want to pay for those leads forever. It's yeah. one thing to do it in the short term, but you need a long-term strategy to get those same keywords organically so you're not paying for it forever. Yeah. You know? so, the, so, so I think most like experienced digital marketers would say that the long-term ROI of SEO is uh, like unparalleled to any other channel. Um, you can look at things like, you know, your paid advertising, you, you know, your, your uh, paid social, paid search, and that kind of thing. And, and all those might have uh, higher conversions. I think a lot of those things have a little bit higher conversions um, in the aggregate. But uh, for the long-term return on investment, SEO is always uh, the, the number one performer. Um, and I, I'll admit that, like, they're, they're, some of these channels are catching up uh, to SEO, uh, but overall, SEO has always been kind of like the, the highest performing ROI um, for most companies. I, I, agree. I we see that all the time, Joe. We really yeah. do. And and it's it's just another reason why you should always want to develop that strategy early so you can get those fruits as soon as you can, right? Um, I, I want I want to ask you how somebody gets into technical SEO, but before I do that, since we're on this topic, I have a I've been thinking about this. You'd be a great person to ask. With with Google you know, with Google's sort of monopoly on search on, on everything and their effort into trying to make you not leave Google's home page, right? So there's a lot of Google trying to give you snippets of content right there. You could book flights right there. Um, I could book, if you're a local business, I could book an appointment or give you a phone call right from the Google search page. So my question is, if maybe you see where I'm going with this, are websites gonna be as relevant down the road as they are now because will people even need to go to your site to sort of get access to the services that you're that you're looking for if you know what i mean so just curious to get yeah, your take on yeah so i think i think that the answer to what you're saying is uh yes they will be relevant um and the reason i know this is because um we've been asking that same question for like the last 10 years i mean you know the, what you're just what you're talking about the changes to the result pages and all the new features and and rich snippets and what that, that's all relatively recent like in the last you know like 
four or five years, but really, I mean, we have been talking about how viable will SEO be ever since I've been in it. I mean, it seems like every year there's a new uh, well-thought-out article that says that SEO is dead or SEO is going to die soon. Um, and, and you know, back in like 2009, uh, 8 and 9, when I first really got into SEO, uh, social media was really hot mm-hmm. and social media marketing was really hot. And people were talking then about, well, do we need websites anymore? Like, you know, all we need is a Facebook page, you know. Um, and now it, it, it's clear that, yes, you still need a website, you know. Um, and the same thing with SEO, uh, you know, every time that Google updates um, its, its, SERPs, uh, its, its search engine result pages to include all these different features like you were talking about, this question comes up and the discussion comes up is, will SEO be viable in the future? Yesterday, Google uh, released a, I think it was yesterday or the day before, uh, they released a metric that said that 15% of all searches are for keys and, and search terms that have never been searched before. Um, and hmm. so if you consider that, that means that there is still, like even though it's 15%, there's still a substantial market share within search that Google cannot anticipate, you know. Um, and all of the features that you mentioned before about like, you know, the, the, the different, you know, things that show up in the results pages, those are all things that appear for queries that have high search volume, right? So there is still a lot of money on the table uh, for uh, companies that can execute a content strategy that leverages uh, long-tail keywords and long-tail uh, terms that they can rank well for because there isn't a lot of interference within the result pages uh, for those terms. Um, and then even if you want to rank for those high-volume terms and you want to go after those high-volume terms that have like featured snippets and all these other things in there, you can still get traffic. Now, the traffic from those uh, queries are substantially lower than um, it used to be, um, and the click-through rates on a lot of those top rankings have dropped considerably ever since you know the knowledge graph and all these other features within the results. Uh, but but it's still viable, and if you're in a market where your uh, return on the investment still makes sense, you should still do it. You know because right. maybe you maybe like ranking number one for this keyword no longer gets that much traffic. But if your return on you know your your cost of of per close and or your your return on each close is high enough. To, to make sense to do it, then you should do it, you know? Um, so I think that, I, I think that Google will always be in this position um, where they are ba- trying to balance it, right? They are trying to balance uh, the desire to keep their users on their pages right. so that they can sell more advertising, they can get more clicks to their ad market, but also make it so that their product is usable and still desirable, you know, because Correct. really the searchers, they're there to find websites. They're not really there to stay on Google. Even if Google gives them what they're looking for. Right. I agree. Their, their intention is to go to another website. So I think that 
they're going to constantly balance that. And I don't think, well, hopefully, we'll never get to a point where, you know, there are no more websites in Google search. It's just Google, you know. Mm. Hopefully, we'll never get to that. Um, and, and there will always be room for us uh, to, to, to be creative and, and to get traffic in some way out of that experience, you know. I, I think also, Joe, like the industry matters that you're in more, you know, or not. Yeah. Like, so for example, like, you know, we deal with a lot of home service clients or, you know, things that are very call based or, you know, like like we, we do a lot of pest control marketing, right? And in pest control marketing, if I have a mouse in my basement, all I might need to do is call and ask them to come out. So in that regard, if I just Google pest control near me and I see something and there's a number, I might just need to call. I might not need to go to the site unless I'm really trying to vet it out and be thorough. But I think whereas with if it's a company, you know, that I'm looking that's a more rich service that is maybe more of a higher priced ticket, I might want to spend more time perusing their services. So I think it obviously matters on the business and the industry or the vertical that you're in. I think it matters a lot. I think, and I think that's the big catch there is like, you know, for example, like let's say that you're doing, uh, let's say that you're an airline company. Um, if you go to Google and you search for like flights from, you know, uh, Albany to uh, San Jose, you're going to get a, a, a Google uh, a snippet that will show you that information um, and, and actually help you reserve a flight within Google, you know. Um, so if you're like Delta or American Airlines, I mean, that screwed you over, yep. you know. Um, but I think that that's where like you have to think about marketing and and digital marketing. Right, like more, another value. What kind of yeah. what more value can you provide? Right. Well, that yeah. And then also you have to be, you have to be more holistic about it too because like Delta, for example, like I've noticed that they – are really big about like customer retention, you know, like they want to keep people coming back to them. And so they're, I think that their kind of approach has always been like, let's get people to uh, reserve a flight no matter what, like however they do it. Um, and then once they're there, once we got them on the plane, right. let's give them an experience that has them coming back so that they're not even going to Google anymore. Correct. To, you know, to get, they're coming straight to Delta. So I think that that's kind of a thing, and I think that that's kind of the approach that a lot of sites like that are going to be taking from now on is like, okay, they cancel us out basically uh, out of like 80 to 95% of our most valuable terms. So let's just get the user here any way possible and then razzle-dazzle them after they get here uh, and make right. them uh, uh, make them a... A committed long term. A customer you know, for customer. life or long term yeah, value, right? So not exactly. worry about how they come into the funnel and into the ecosystem, but once they become part of our world, we yeah. make that world so great that the next time they want to book a trip, they're not going to type it in on Google. They're going to go right to Delta. They're going to go into the app, however that works, and then they're going to have them. So the acquisition doesn't really matter at that point. Yeah, and I think that that's kind of the way that, you know, your extermination clients should consider it as well. Like, it, 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 it may not show up in Google Analytics, for example, that, the, you know, that they're doing a huge bump in traffic or whatever. Mm -hmm. But if you're doing call tracking and you can see based on your call tracking that you're getting closed deals from the phone numbers, you know, um, then that's that's where it used to be. And then you just retain those customers as much, you know, as much as possible, you know. 
Um, I think that's kind of the approach that businesses should take when they're faced with that kind of thing, you know? Yeah, it's funny. You have this conversation with some of our clients um, had it that where it says like, you know, listen, if we're doing our job correctly on digital, your traffic will dip a bit because uh-huh. that means we've we've made your, your digital face on the search engine so visible and so available that people aren't really even going there. Um, but you know, that could, it's probably a temporary effect, but it's not cause of panic as long as the phones are ringing and we can still demonstrate that there's a return. Uh, yeah. But again, like they're still going to the search engine, right? They're still typing in terms. It's just that they we're making things available to them there. But again, it's industry specific. I wouldn't recommend a strategy like that uh, for other places, you know, for yeah. colleges, for different places. Like people need to peruse the site. So they're going yeah, to have I mean, to go. You, you, yeah, you can't have a strategy like that for, say, like an e-commerce website, you know. Right. Um, they, need, they need people to visit the site and buy things. Uh, so, I mean... It just depends on the business, and it depends on uh, the the approach with, uh, like we talked about earlier, the strategy with content and and uh, query intent and all that stuff. I mean, it all depends on all those things coming together um, to make sense of what your strategy should be. You know, with each with each individual kind of issue and and uh, and and term and everything. You know. So Joe, how does, tell me this, how does one become a technical SEO? So like, you know, like I, I think about it, like, did you just geek out on websites for a long time? Was it, was it, so was it a web love one, first? Yeah. So how does one become a technical SEO? Uh, completely on accident. Okay. Uh, so, so this is, this is, what, <laughs> this is this like is, most things in life. I feel yeah, like. exactly. So this is what happened actually. Um, I, uh, was, uh, it's a long story, but I'll, I'll try to make it quick. Um, uh, when I was like, when I was in high school back in like the nineties, um, I was writing HTML. I was writing JavaScript uh, just for fun. This is like nineteen ninety six and okay. ninety seven, and I was just kind of experimenting with with building these things called websites um, that anybody could go to, um, and I had a lot of fun with that. Uh, but I, you know, I have a I have a physical disability, um, and I use a wheelchair. And when I was in high school, I was really good with computers. Um, but and when, time, when it was time to go to college, uh, someone said to me along the lines of, you should go study computer science because you're in a wheelchair. And that's like the worst <laughs> thing you should say what to someone. <laughs> well, I think the thought was like, you know, like computers. What? Because you can sit at a computer. Is yeah, that what the implication? Sit, you can just sit at a computer all day, and so therefore, like, you won't need to get up and go around and do things. You know, um, and I understand what they meant by that, but that's like the worst thing to say to someone, a young person, especially in a wheelchair. That like this, you need to do this because you're in a wheelchair. But like, that's not not a good idea to say that to a young person in a wheelchair. And so I, being like a, a you know, not very happy with that, I went instead and studied. Uh, political science um and that was stupid uh because like why you know i thought i was gonna you know get involved in politics or whatever but uh, that was a dumb idea um but when i was aren't studying, you glad you didn't go into politics yeah, yeah i am i am glad yeah <laughs> but uh i'm still very very interested in it but while Same. i was while i was studying political science um i was building a lot of websites for these nonprofits that I was working with. So I was working with a bunch of nonprofits as a volunteer um, 
just because in the political realm or yeah in the political realm okay um and doing stuff like that mostly activism kind of things and then when i got out of college i tried to get a job in politics and couldn't do that but i was still in hot demand to build these websites these websites for these nonprofits, because like you know nonprofits talk to each other you know and um so i said you know i'll start a business doing this um and i started building websites as a business uh shortly after i got out of school and um then i was like god man these nonprofits don't have any money <laughs> like i should start <laughs> doing i should start doing this for businesses for please you know? people that have money right yeah, yeah exactly and so i started doing it for businesses um, and then I went, I did that for a while, and then I went into, during that time, same time period, I started working in-house uh, as an IT manager for a real estate company. And when I was working at that real estate company, it's when I first got into SEO, you know. Um, I built their website, and then, like, the broker in charge and the agents just all kind of complained that, it wasn't showing up on Google, you know, um, after it was built. And I was like, so you're like, I got to figure out why I got to, yeah, well, like, but even then I knew that like, that was a ridiculous notion that it would show up like the next day, you know, (laughs) uh, after, after it went live. Um, but I, I, but at the same time I thought, well, I do need to like, they're right. It does need to show up in Google. It does need to show up, uh, for terms and, and, and stuff. So I got working on that and I learned about SEO in the real estate space. And, uh, if you've ever done SEO in the real estate space, you know that it's it's very competitive. It's mm-hmm. very competitive, uh, especially local SEO is very competitive for real estate. Um, and so I kind of learned about SEO that way, um, but I, I, didn't, I didn't want to actually go off and do it professionally, you know, um, mostly because the real estate industry left a pretty bad taste in my mouth. Uh, so after I left that job, uh, I knew I wanted to do something with SEO, but I wanted to continue doing some like web development work. So I started writing code for SEOs. So I started like marketing myself as like a, a technical kind of developer that could help you implement your SEO audit or whatever, you know. And that is around the same time that I met uh, your colleague Lisa mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, this was in, when, Joe? When was this around? This was in, well, I, met, I think I met Lisa in 2009. Okay. Um, and so, and it was like, I was going to these conferences, these SEO conferences, not as an SEO, but as a web developer, trying to like market myself to other SEOs, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, as, as, as like, you have, the, you have tools and the ability to help them in their job. Yeah, like, like knowing that like, SEO was becoming more technical and that like they would oftentimes do an audit or something that had a bunch of technical cap- things in it um, that they needed to have implemented. Um, and so I would take those audits and implement them or I would do whatever technical things needed to be done, you know. Um, so I did that for a while and then I realized that these SEOs that I was writing code for were making a heck of a lot more money than I was, you know? And I also realized that at the time, and I think still to this day, a lot of people that can write code, um, and this is not talked about enough, but it needs to be talked about more, 
a lot of folks that can write code are, especially freelance people, are in constant competition with uh, outsourced labor overseas. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the a lot of the SEOs that I was actually writing code for were like going to conferences and bragging about how they had hired a developer in India for like 80 cents an hour. And I was like, God, like, I can't. <laughs> how I can't, are you going to, yeah, how are you going to compete? I can't I compete with that, you know? Um, and the only thing I had going for me was that I was in the United States and spoke perfect English. But really, after you start working with a developer overseas for a while, that kind of isn't a problem anymore. You know, you, you kind of develop a good vibe with someone like that. So anyways, I started seeing that the SEOs were also making a ton of money um, from, in my mind, not really doing a whole lot of work because all they were doing was just like making recommendations and strategy. Um, and so I decided to become an SEO at that point. And I kind of, I kept doing development, web development work, uh, but offering SEO services and it slowly kind of turned into an SEO company. Um, and then in 2012, I quit uh, web development completely. Um, and just, I said, I'm not going to do this anymore. Um, I, I can make so much more money as an SEO. Um, and I've been doing that since then. But a couple years ago, uh, in 2019 or 20, um, I started web development again. Uh, as a as a job uh, for people that needed it, I was trying to. I got to a point where I I felt super comfortable as an SEO, and like I still do. Um, I'm not super concerned about getting new clients or anything like that uh, because I've done a lot of work to market myself and whatnot. Um, so I started thinking, what do I want to do? Like, what do I just enjoy? You know, like what do I actually want to get up? like uh, uh feel good about doing you know and so i started this new company a couple years ago called cloud 22 and we're a, a web hosting company uh that is wordpress web hosting but our primary focus is nonprofits uh because i really like back in the day when i first got started with this whole thing i really i actually really enjoyed working with these nonprofits and um being like their their web guy you know um, and so Cloud22 is a, it's a, it's a WordPress hosting company, uh, but we do everything in the sun regarding WordPress. Um, but we're primarily focused on nonprofits. Um, and, uh, we've been doing some great work so far with, uh, three, uh, really amazing nonprofits. Uh, uh, one of which is doing some phenomenal work with the, uh, COVID-19 response. Mm -hmm. And so it, it just feels really good. To, to get back into writing JavaScript for organizations that do good work, you know. Uh, so, versus, so you actually, you actually, Joe, ended up back. You actually ended up in the world of computers, computer science. Yeah. Uh, even you know, and it, yeah. it's just because you're good at it and you had a passion for it. That that's yeah. really, that's the reason. It's just that's that's where you where you yeah, ended no, up. Yeah, no, no, yeah. I actually ended up back in like 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 I ended up getting into computer science and everything just because I enjoyed it and. Um, it, you know, when you're a young person, you know, 19 or 20, you don't really think about any of that stuff. Like your, 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 your influence and your motivation is mostly about like external things that happen, like what people say to you and, you know, what people might think of you and stuff like that. Um, 
if I would have had the focus back then to just look inside myself and realize that, hey, I actually just really like writing code, you know, um, I probably would have gone on and studied computer science, no matter what anyone had said to me at the time, you know. Um, I mean, I don't know exactly how old you are, Joe, but you sounded like you said you grew up in high school in the 90s when the internet was like becoming a thing and websites were becoming a thing. Um, I don't, for people, the younger people that might be listening, like there was a time where the internet wasn't around and there was no websites at all. Um, yeah. And I, I grew up in that time where there was no, there was no internet really. You couldn't really get on and see yeah. anything. Um, so I want to ask you, um, you know, are you are you wowed at where it's gone to from where, you know, from where it's been? And then the second follow-up question to that is, what are some challenges that you see in the world of digital marketing, you know, in terms of like, you know, SEO or anything that businesses need to, you know, get over or push through uh, nowadays? Yeah. So uh, am I wowed by this? I think I... I I need a chance to, if I really sat back and thought about it, I would probably be wowed. The problem with folks like you and I is that this internet stuff, this is the soup we swim in. Right. And it's, it's been the soup we swim in for the last 25 years, right? And so looking at, like, like looking about what, what's going on right now and, you know, what used to happen, um... I feel like the changes that have occurred have been so, like, I've been so, uh, like, I, I read about it as soon as it happens, I experience it as soon as it happens, that I feel like it's just kind of, like, so incremental that I'm not shocked by it, you know? But I do think that what I'm really wowed about is things that I never thought would come to fruition. Um, because really, when you think about it, like, the fundamental core tenants of the internet, technologically speaking, work the same way they did in the 90s, you know. Um, the, what, what I am still kind of wowed about is uh, handheld devices and mobile applications. Um, I know that that's still, like, nowadays that's still not really a big deal, like, you know, you know, okay, yeah, smartphones have been around for a while now. But if you think about, like, in the 90s, like, if you could, if you could tell me that one day in the not so distant future, we would have a device that we could carry around in our pocket that would be just as powerful as the computers that sit on our desk uh, that we work off of, and that you could get like rich media experiences on these little handheld devices, I would have thought that was nuts. You mm -hmm. know, I remember one time in high school, um, I was in biology class actually and i don't know why this happened in biology class because this really shouldn't have happened in biology class but we had a computer um and uh it was connected to the internet and i remember on the front page of yahoo there was like a uh 45 second clip of a basketball game that happened the night before it was probably like the lakers and bulls or something like that and I remember watching that 45 second clip and thinking to myself, holy crap. Like, wow. Like, like this is the future. Like, yeah. I'm looking at the future. This is, a, this is a game that happened last night. And I just watched, I just watched like the, the, like the highlight clip, the highlight reel right here. 
in my biology class. Now, mind you, I don't know why we were watching basketball in a biology class, but, but like, that, back then, I was, I was just blown away with when I saw that. And now that would be like nothing now. Like that. No, in fact, you know what's funny, Joe? Last night I was listening to the New York Rangers game because I couldn't get it on my streaming. wasn't I couldn't get it, so I'm listening to it. And they scored a goal. And I went to NHL.com, and I went and I wanted to watch the replay of the goal immediately after I heard it on my on you know on the live stream and I couldn't find it and I was angry you know and yeah. I was I was like wait a minute are yeah. you where is it like but it literally yeah. happened like like 10 seconds ago yeah. and the expectation is I can watch it somewhere that yeah. fast you know it's yeah. crazy it is crazy it is crazy and like I think that I'm 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 shocked about stuff like that I'm shocked about uh mobile devices are, are shocking to me um I am actually not super impressed with crypto or anything like that. Like they talked about the new, mm-hmm. like Web Web three or whatever. I'm not really that impressed with that. Um, I don't know. A lot of folks that are younger, I think, are, are impressed with that. But the newer stuff that's coming out right now just doesn't really impress me. You know, in, in fact, like the metaverse and everything. Parts of the metaverse I think are really interesting, especially the parts that revolve around um, augmented reality, you know? But currently what we see with Metaverse, I mean, it's stupid. It, it's it's dumb, you know? Yeah, I mean, don't um, even get me started on the Metaverse. I find it to be so... Um, we, can't e- we, we can't even get anything right in the regular universe. Yeah. And we're already going to be start pulling humans into a world so they don't interact with each other anymore. I, it's like that, that whole thing is like... I, well, I agree. And it, it doesn't even... Like, it's not even a real thing yet, either, you know? Like, I like the idea of augmented reality uh, for practical applications, you know? Uh, like, being able to, um, I don't know, do different types of analysis on a on something in real time like that. That's kind of cool, but I just think that um, so much of what is being talked about is just nothing. It's just garbage, you know. And like, like McDonald's just announced they they filed patents for the metaverse. So like, you can go, I can go with a buddy into the metaverse and sit down at a McDonald's cafe and hang out. But it's not really. I could do that at a real McDonald's down yeah. the street. Like, but instead, I'm going to yeah. do it in virtual reality where it's not real. So that that concept to me is a little far. But for I, we so, only have a f- we only have a few minutes yeah. left, Joe. Before so before and before we go, because you're an expert, I want to ask you know. In in the in the next few minutes, like, do you have what do you see as challenges right now in the world in the landscape of digital and traffic on on getting to sites and these things that 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 companies are really going to have to pay attention to now? Is there anything that's sort of overrepresented? Any issues that you see or any problems that you think people are really going to have to get over and start to push? Yeah, through? yeah. So this is going to be uh, actually I'm giving a talk this summer about this, uh, so I'm kind of prepared to talk about this already. Uh, soon, very soon. I believe that we are going to uh, approach um, a, 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 a very uh, a dark period as it relates to uh, data and data collection. Uh, so there are lots of new uh, privacy policies mm-hmm. in Europe uh, that have, have kind of shut down um, some of the data collection that, that companies do. Uh, the iPhone updates recently uh, blocked out uh, Facebook's ability to collect a lot of data. Um, I think that the, there's going to be this new trend 
within technology providers, especially like device companies like Apple and Samsung and uh, maybe even like uh, service providers as well to clamp down on data collection. Um, and as a result, companies and marketers, we are going to start experiencing lots of our data that, that we currently rely on is going to start to disappear. Um, and that's happening. We, we see that more and more right now. If, you, if you've ever tried uh, Google's new version of analytics, uh, GA4, yep. there's substantially less stuff in there. I yes, mean, there is. It's like, it's <laughs> like, it's like, it's there's not most of it. Most of what used to be in analytics is not going to be there anymore. So I think that we are quickly approaching this period of, of a data black hole. Uh, as it relates to marketing and, and actually doing business online. And so I think what we're going to need to start doing is thinking of new ways to make the same decisions that we make now uh, that we make based on data. You know, so if, if you're sitting there uh, making uh, decisions now based on a certain data set, I think it would be smart for you to start considering how you would make those same decisions without that data anymore. Um, and I would encourage people not to think of it in the context of, well, what's a replacement for this data? Can we find a replacement for it? Because you could. I mean, there are other ways to get that same type of information. Um, but I think that it would be more beneficial and worthwhile if while you're having that thought process of the replacement, if you also think about what else do we need to consider to make the same decision without data, right? you know? Uh, because I think that we are quickly approaching a period where we will have a lot, lot less data to work with. And it's gonna make our jobs as, as digital marketers much, much more difficult. Um, but it also might make it more easy too, you know, because I, I think it's gonna be more difficult for businesses than it will be for people that supply marketing services. Because folks that supply marketing services if they have less data to analyze, it means it should be, in theory, less work, right? Um, less work that we have to do. And less noise, to, too. Yeah, know. less noise and, and less noise and less less analysis work that we need to do to, to give a recommendation. Downside to that, though, is that for business owners, they're going to get less information uh, to make these decisions. And so we need to focus more on... I think non-data sources uh, of, of reliable information that can help us make decisions going forward. Um, I think that's the biggest hurdle right now that we're quickly approaching. And I'm, I'm thinking like by the end of the year, uh, we'll see significant impacts in that area. Next year, um, we'll definitely see uh, more and more data just going away, you know. You know, it, it's funny, as we close here, we could bring this back to content again because I've, what we always tell people is, you know, people ask us about like Facebook and the ability to not track anymore. We always say like, you know what? You're always renting when you're using these places, right? Yeah. So the best thing you can do is own and build your own content because you'll always have that. You can always put that out there and you can always get some data back on that. Even if Facebook blocks your ability to track people around the internet, you can still receive data and make action off of content you create. So, yeah. you know, one of the pivots in this time of, of sort of dark data or inability to track is to double down on your own content production efforts to keep that going.
Absolutely, and you know, over it, you guys are a great example of that because you guys are doing things like you got this podcast, you have a, an excellent newsletter um, going, um, you've got this kind of multifaceted approach to uh, content that you, and you, you like I said, well, we mentioned, I talk, mentioned this before we start recording, you guys really do pay attention to uh, fine-tuning and polishing your content products, you know. Um, and I think that that is all about product design and product development. We think about product design in, in the forms of content, like that's what you guys are doing. You're doing such good work with building out this, uh, these content pieces that I think that that's kind of the approach that you have to do, uh, like you, like you mentioned, instead of renting space on somebody else's site, you're building up a content inventory um, and, and an arsenal uh, of, of things that people keep coming back to, you know, um, I think that's really smart. So Joe, let, um, if people are interested in learning more about you and your services and what you do, where can they go to find out any information? So you can go to hallanalysis.com. Um, and that's my main consulting uh, website, um, or cloud22.com. Or if and you're pretty you, active on social, right, Joe? I know. Yeah, I was getting ready to say, if you are courageous um, <laughs> and you enjoy uh, rants about hot dogs, uh, then please visit my Twitter account, which is at Joe Hall. Cool. Joe, I want to thank Joe Hall for, for taking time to talk to us on the Get Over It podcast. Um, the links that Joe just mentioned, we'll put in the show notes. So for anyone that wants to maybe missed it or forgot it, they can go right to this when this comes out. For anyone, when you're listening to this, go to the show notes. You can click on the links there. I also just want to quickly thank Adam Claremont, produces the show. Here's behind the boards over there um, from Over at Studios. Um, over at Studios.com if you want to look for any information about uh, anything uh, production-wise like this. Um, and I want to thank all the audience for listening and again remind, remind them to subscribe uh, to the show and leave a review Joe thank you so much for taking the time man I really appreciate it great talking with you <laughs>